entertaining, cool. You are listening to LA Talk Radio. We say what we want. You're listening to Impact Hiring Solutions with Brad Remillard and Barry Deutsch. Only on LA Talk Radio. Welcome to another installment of our weekly radio program here on LA Talk Radio. My name is Barry Deutsch. My partner Brad Remillard is traveling today, so it's just me you have on this radio program. Brad and I are founding partners of a company called Impact Hiring Solutions, a uh, hiring solutions company which focuses both on job search for executives and managers and we focus on how to help companies, hiring managers, human resources, key executives and managers hire more effectively and raise accuracy in hiring. Every week we alternate our programs. One week we'll do a program on job search like the one we're going to do today. And then the following week we'll do one aimed at companies, hiring managers, HR professionals, key executives on how to hire more effectively. Today's program is titled The Top 10 Reasons Why Job Seekers Fail at Networking. Sort of a David Letterman style list. We're going to get into that in just a moment, but I'd like to share with you how you might participate in our program. Um, one option is you could, or the primary option that I'd like to suggest is that you send us an email, and you could send that to info, I-N-F-O, at impacthiringsolutions.com with your question, thought, comment, case study, example, vignette, what's worked, what hasn't worked for you. And I'll try to get a few of those aired during the course of our program as we go through each of the the various elements of this top 10 list. So again, the title of our program is The Top 10 Reasons Why Job Seekers Fail at Networking. Networking is probably the most important thing you can do in your job search. Yes, there's lots of other little things uh, you're going to want to do, like apply for ads and fine-tune your resume and prepare for interviews, and we could spend hundreds of hours talking about each one of these things, but we're just going to zero in on the one element of networking. And the question that's probably going through your mind is, why do we have to network? Why is this so important? So here, here's the primary reason. 80 to 90% of all jobs are never advertised. So if all you're doing is sitting back, looking at job boards, like like probably 75 to 80% of the community who searches for jobs, if all you're doing is answering job ads, then you're really only seeing, at best, maybe 10% of the job market or 15% of the job market. And because that segment is so competitive and it's so narrow, you're almost doomed to fail before you start because you're looking at such a small slice of the pie and it's so competitive to go after that piece. I mean, every time one of my clients runs an ad, they get three, four, five hundred resumes and and it would take a miracle for your resume to get to the top of that stack. It's It's a search that's more predicated on luck than any consistent process. And I'm going to suggest that if you follow along in this call, this radio program, and you understand these top 10 reasons why 
networking normally fails in a job search and you use the techniques and tips and hints and suggestions I'm going to share with you, I can almost guarantee that you'll reduce the time it takes for you to find a great job by at least 50%. By at least 50%. And one of the primary reasons is not only are you going to build better relationships, get more job leads, job referrals, but but you're going to open up a whole nother channel of potential job opportunities that were never available to you when you were just answering ads. Now you're going to open up 80%. So let's imagine, let's just work through the numbers for a minute. Over the course of a month, you apply to 100 jobs. But that's only 10% of the available job opportunities for the kind of job you're interested in. Imagine being coming aware of and having your network help you to get in front of hiring managers and executives for another 900 jobs. Would that make a difference in your job search? I would imagine you'd see the immediate impact very quickly. So let's start with number one. Number one is of the top 10 list is failure to have the right people in your network. Now, Brad and I reviewed this a couple of weeks ago. You can doubt that radio program is already posted on our website. You can download it from latalkradio.com. You can download it from impacthiringsolutions.com. Just go to the Job Seeker tab on the menu. Scroll down to where it says free resources, and bang, you can see every radio broadcast we've done. Stream it, download it, put it on iTunes, and and you'll have that 45, 50-minute program. You can also, if you're a member of iTunes, if you use iTunes, you can get it directly off of there by searching for Impact Hiring Solutions since we post every one of our radio programs uh, to the iTunes directory. Let me just recap this issue of not having or failure to have the right people in your network. Brad and I have a service we offer, and it's it's a networking strategic plan for executives and managers looking for a job. And every time we do one of these projects, the, the person we're engaging with is absolutely dumbfounded at they've got 100, 150, 200 people in their database of who they think is in their network. And by the time we get done going through it, that number skinnies down to about 10 or 20 people. Because all the other people, although they're great people, and you know these people, the likelihood of them leading you to a job opportunity is almost zero. And so one of the things we want to do is make sure the people that are in our network are are what we'll call our A-list. I mean, all these people, family, friends, former coworkers, they're all going to be part of your network, but we're talking about the A-list. The A-list is Who are the people you want to be spending the vast majority of your time with? And and we broke this down in our radio program into three key categories. One group you want to target is the group of people who are hiring managers or executives. So if you're a CFO and you're looking for a job working for company presidents, you're probably going to want to identify all of the appropriate company presidents of businesses that could support someone at your level in your geographic area within, let's say, a 45-minute to one-hour commute. There could be thousands of companies that fit that perspective. You want to connect with those people. You want to begin to build a relationship because even if they don't have a job opportunity right now, 
they may know of someone through the nonprofit they're a member of, the the bridge club their wife belongs to, the someone they played golf with last week at the country club. I mean, I could go on and on down this list. Someone from their alumni association, someone from their trade association. These key executives who you would end up working for hear about lots of opportunities just through the course of their normal day. And if you're not top of mind, you don't have a top of mind presence with them, it's going to be very difficult for them to refer you to someone they know. So that's one group. The second group is recruiters. And recruiters who focus on finding people like you for the hiring managers and executives that would want to hire you. And when I look at the recruiters that are in most candidates' networks, they're the recruiters you're used to dealing with to hire roles below you, your subordinates. And unfortunately, most of those recruiters don't work the next level up, which is placing people like you with more senior executives, company presidents, C-level executives. And so we want to make sure we've got the right recruiters in our network. And in that radio program, Brad and I talked a little about some of the possible techniques to identify, connect, and build a relationship with those folks. The last group is what we'll call trusted advisors. These are the people who deal with your potential boss on a consulting or services basis. So, for example, if you're looking for a director of human resource position and your boss is the vice president of human resources, then you're going to want to talk to the people who are constantly engaging and have a close relationship with that VP of human resources. Same metaphor would exist if you're a director of marketing or a manager of marketing and you would report to a vice president of marketing or sales or operations or engineering. It's exactly the same process. So let's come back to our HR example. Who's calling on this HR executive? Who knows this person? Well, professionals that are selling benefit services pension services, payroll processing services, human resource information systems, training programs, succession plans, contract recruiters, all the different people who might be calling on that HR executive, you're going to want to identify who are those people and begin to build a relationship with them. And all of those three categories begin to drive you specifically towards the people who could either directly hire you or they know of people who could hire you. So we want to have those folks in our network. And I'm suggesting that at an executive and managerial level, you need about 100 to 150 of those people minimum to be able to drive enough consistent and abundant job referrals and job leads through your network funnel so that there is an abundance of those. If you've got 10 or 20 or 30, you might just not have enough people that can generate enough activity. So so that's one of our core goals. Let's talk about failure number two. And this is the failure to have updated profiles on all the online sites. 
So have you gone to Google and in their profile area filled out a complete profile for yourself? Why should you do this? Because the first thing that recruiters, human resource managers, human resource professionals, key executives do when they're searching for someone is they Google for them. They type position titles. They might type Boolean searches of location plus title uh, plus functional characteristics. So you want to have your Google profile. Same thing goes for Yahoo or Bing if they allow you to do that. Um, have you created a profile on Plaxo? Uh, what's the quality of your, your profile on Facebook? Have you updated your LinkedIn profile? Is it, is it, is it expa- as expansive as it should be? Brad and I have done a numerous radio programs on this subject. We've written tons of blogs on it. LinkedIn is the primary business networking service, bar none. And if you don't have an extensive profile on there, you haven't done a little bit of personal branding to build yourself up, how are recruiters, hiring managers, and key executives going to find you? I mean, that's the whole idea. It's much easier to be found than trying to get to people. And although we're talking a lot in our program today about how do you get to the right people, I would suggest to you it's much easier to be found by others. Now, about six months ago, Brad and I put together a one-page scorecard for how to evaluate your LinkedIn profile. In other words, was it effective enough? So self-assessment, you download the form, check off the eight core items. A couple thousand people filled it out and sent it back to us. I mean, it's just a small microcosm probably of the number of people who actually downloaded the form that's probably now into the, I'm going to say, 10,000 plus range. But a couple thousand of them actually sent us the form back. What was interesting is that less than 10% of all people who sent that form back had what we would consider to be an effective enough LinkedIn profile so that if a recruiter human resource professional, HR manager, executive was searching for you, they could find you in their search. Less than 10%. That's a sad commentary because that's the second thing that a recruiter, human resource manager, uh, uh, key executive might do is they're going to go onto LinkedIn and they're going to start typing searches into LinkedIn. And if you don't get found, you don't get considered for the opportunity. So you got to have a great profile there. I'd suggest you download that form, go through it, and it'll highlight for you in about eight key areas where you might want to focus your time and energy in terms of improving your LinkedIn profile. Again, the whole idea here is you want to be found by others. I'll give you another example. and This is one of my pet peeves. If you're trying to be found... Why do you have the privacy settings in full force? If I'm a recruiter searching for you and I get your LinkedIn profile and you've set up your privacy settings that you don't want to be contacted, you don't want to receive emails, you don't have a phone number that I can reach you out on your profile and you don't have your email address, I'm not even going to bother to research how to get in touch with you. And yet probably 99% of all profiles have gone overboard in setting those privacy settings. Why would I want to – let me back up. 
I have limited time as a recruiter. And, and this applies to, I'm going to assume, human resource professionals and hiring managers and executives. If you make it hard for me to get in touch with you, I'm not going to bother. I'm going down a list. I'm searching on LinkedIn. I have 125 people I can contact that look viable, and 10 of them have blocked their personal contact information. I'm just going to toss those 10 aside. You might be the perfect candidate, but I just don't have time to go on a jigsaw, look up your email address, play with that restrictive method of you know sending an email in-mail on LinkedIn, which very few people even look at, trying to connect to you through someone we both know. It's a waste of time. So if you want to be found and you want recruiters, human resource professionals, and hiring managers and executives to get in touch with you, open up your profile to contact on Ning, Plaxo, Yahoo, Google, Facebook, LinkedIn. When people search for you on Facebook, stop putting things like you only share certain information about your profile. Make it easy for people to connect and get in touch with you. This is one of my greatest pet peeves, and I think it's why most candidates are so frustrated with using these services because they don't realize they've made it impossible for people searching for them and wanting to connect with them to even get in touch. Number three, failure to take part in the online conversation. Many of you are like little two or three-year-olds hiding behind your mother's skirt. It's like you're afraid to engage in an online conversation. You're afraid of rejection. You fear that whatever you say is, is going to embarrass you. Yet one of the most effective ways to become visible to recruiters, human resource professionals, and managers is through engaging in online conversation. Joining appropriate forums in your geography, your trade association, your functional specialty. This could be on any of the social networking services like LinkedIn, Facebook, Plaxoning, Yahoo, and Google. They all have groups and discussion forums. It could be on proprietary sites that run their own discussion boards like uh, Apex, the American Production Inventory Control Site, uh, SHRM, the Society for Human Resource Management, um, and I could just go down, a, you know, 150 different groups. If you're in marketing, do you belong to the Marketing Executive Networking Group? There are groups in every dimension, whether you're a secretary or a senior executive. There are groups to join and engage in dialogue and discussion. We haven't even talked about getting connected and discussing things on uh, in LinkedIn. And, and Brad and I, again, have done a number of radio shows on this, and we've posted a lot of content in our blogs. LinkedIn gives you an unbelievable opportunity to engage in, in a conversation and demonstrate your expertise, your knowledge, your capability. There are geography groups. There are functional groups. There are specialty groups for your function and by level. Whether you're a COO, a CEO, a marketing executive, whether you're interested in email marketing campaigns or you're interested in uh, telecommunication technical services, there's a group for everything. And you should search for those groups and join them. LinkedIn allows you to participate in up to 50 groups. Are you sharing interesting articles in the group? 
Are you answering questions? Are you commenting on other people's questions? Are you posing your own questions? LinkedIn also provides a Q&A area where people can post general questions in a variety of areas. You can answer those questions, and you can also pose your own questions. And if you pose enough questions and answer enough questions, you'll get tagged as an expert in a particular area, which brings additional eyeballs to focus in on you. Now, here's the interesting thing outside of uh, some of these proprietary services like LinkedIn or Facebook, Ning, is that many of them are moving towards real-time indexing of conversation. I'll give you a good example of one of the, the, the uh, places where this has happened. If you post something on Twitter, it gets instantly indexed, and literally within minutes, I can see that Twitter posting if I did a Google search on that subject or that area. And many services, discussion forums, dialogue sites, networking groups are moving to have towards what we'll call the real-time web, which is the conversation gets immediately indexed and available for everyone to see. That adds to your visibility, your exposure, your personal branding. And as a recruiter, when I do a search, if, you're, if I look at the you know, top 10 or 20 listings when I've done a search and your name pops up a couple of times, there's something there that says, Barry, you better go talk to this person or at least try to engage with them. So don't be a wallflower. Don't fade into the woodwork. Don't hide behind your mother's skirts. Get involved in taking part in the online conversation. Number four in our top ten list of why job seekers typically fail at networking is a failure to effectively track your real network. How many of you have a tool by which you're recording who you're tracking, the people who referred you to that individual, the folks that they know, when you last contacted the person, what their dog's name is, what the name of their kids are, what grades their kids are in, things that are unique to their spouse, their kids, their dog, uh, hobbies they have, sports they're interested in, uh, issues they're concerned about in their industry or area. Because if you don't have all that information, you're not going to be able to nurture and engage and connect with the people you'd like to build a relationship with. And if you don't really understand this concept of getting to know people and tracking that information, I'd suggest you go look for a couple of books by Harvey McKay, who has written extensively on the subject of networking. In fact, one of my favorite books, and, and I might be paraphrasing the title, but you can do a search on it. I believe the title of the book was Dig Your Well Before You Need It. Uh, and he is a master of this, of recording this information, using this information. Just imagine, you meet someone at a networking event. You write down on a little three-by-five card, the back of your business card, somewhere immediately after the event, or you go off to the side and write it down so you don't forget it. Bob Smith has two kids. One's 11, one's 8. The 11-year-old plays soccer and is on a club team and a champion soccer player. The daughter has won numerous awards for dancing um, and goes to recitals twice a month. Now, the next time you talk to this person, you could say, how'd your son do in, that, uh, in their recent soccer tournament? 
Has your daughter won any more rewards since the last time we spoke? I know that sounds trivial, trite, but you would not believe how impressed people are that you remembered something personal about them and you took the time to inquire. You showed that you cared. This is about, this is what networking's all about. It's not, I put you on my database and hope you give me a referral. It's the process of getting to know people, building relationships, engaging, showing people you care, that they're more than just a number in your database. So how do you track that information? It's not easy. There's a lot of information there. There are some online tools that are starting to come uh, in vogue. Um, And I'll throw out a couple of these, and, and then I'll tell you the kind of tools that I'm currently using. And I'm always in a search for better tools. First of all, I live in Outlook. 90% of my communication with candidates and clients is in Outlook. Everybody's proclaiming because of social media the death of email. Email's not dead. It's still the primary business communication. And as I said, I spend a lot of time in it. And so I try to record as much information in notes areas. I try to track information about people um, as I can. I use a tool, I can't even pronounce it, it's called X-O-B-N-I, it's Exobni. It's a fairly new tool on the market. I urge you to get the paid version, which is something like $29.95, and it'll track every conversation you've had with people, it'll index all your archives, you can instantly put your hand on when you search for someone or a keyword, it is probably one of the most powerful tools I've ever used. And it's a little add-on to Outlook that takes Outlook and literally puts it on, on turbochargers. I'm sure at some point Microsoft will build that kind of functionality into the Outlook program. But for now, it's an outstanding tool and it's so darn cheap, it's almost a no-brainer to use. I also use LinkedIn and I have every one of the people in my network from Outlook on LinkedIn. And I record personal notes and information about them in in the profile area. I tag them into different groups. So I have like maybe 20 different groups so that I can relate back to what groups are those people in? How did I get in touch with them? But what it also allows me to do is see their Rolodex of people they're connected to. And perhaps I track who referred me to them or how I came about them in the first place. At some point, some of these tools are going to merge together. But for right now, using LinkedIn, particularly the profile section and Outlook are my two primary tools. I'm fooling around with other tools like Plaxo, um, uh, another tool called, it's called Me, You, Us, uh, another tool called Gist. And, and these are all social media tools that are coming online trying to integrate social media connections along with your traditional email connections. Uh, uh, Google is working on this at Gmail to improve it. They've got some interesting ideas coming out. I know the next version of Outlook is probably going to have some basic functionality around integrating social media tools into your Outlook database. But you need to be tracking this. Using a little Excel spreadsheet is probably not going to be effective enough. Let me take a moment, do a little commercial break. 
and tell you where you might get a little more in-depth information about some of the items we're talking about. First, once again, my name is Barry Deutsch. I'm a founding partner of Impact Hiring Solutions with Brad Remillard, who unfortunately is not with us today. He's traveling for a client, doing conducting interviews. We have an extensive website. We have an e-commerce site, and you can buy video, audio programs, templates, tools, job search kits, uh, things about how to develop a better resume, uh, and it's a pretty good collection of, of paid tools and services that are inexpensively priced. But perhaps more importantly than that, we have collected or amassed a collection that is probably the greatest collection of free tools and informational content about conducting an effective job search on the internet. No one is even remotely close to the amount of content we've assembled. On our website, if you go to the job If you go to the Candidates tab, look under Free Resources, you will see links to our blogs, which every blog article is stuffed with numerous nuggets of great information. We've taken every one of these radio programs and posted it to our website where you can download it or stream it. And we have numerous examples of cover letters formats, resume formats, tools, templates. Remember the scorecard I told you about in terms of self-assessing your LinkedIn profile? That's just one of numerous self-assessments and tools that we've created. And Brad and I are constantly adding to that list. You can discover many of those in our What's New section on our homepage. And I'd urge you at some point, maybe after listening to this radio broadcast, to go back to the free resources section on our website and look at some of those tools. I'm going through a 45-minute to 50-minute program today, and I would suggest I'm not even touching the tip of the iceberg in the depth of content that you could use to improve the effectiveness of your job search. The other 99% of the iceberg, as they say, the the below-the-surface stuff, is on our website in that free resources area. Okay. Failure, step five, or not step five, failure number five. Failure to, quote, get out there and join networking groups. You've got to join groups. You've got to be a part of at least one or two networking groups that are focused on jobs at your particular level or function. So if you're a CFO, for example, in Southern California, you're probably going to want to be part of our group that my partner and I run. It's called the American Association of Senior Executives. It's for C-level executives conducting a job search. We've probably got 125, 150 people at any point in time that are active in the group. Every two weeks, the group meets. Usually 60 to 70 people show up. They exchange job leads, job referrals. They hear about where other people are looking for jobs. They try to, if they've come across folks in that company, they try to provide leads and opportunities to get that, their foot in the door. So you got to be part of a networking group or two. Another thing you're going to want to do is you're going to want to be part of either functional or industry-related groups. So if you're a human resource professional, you're probably going to want to be part of the Los, and you live in LA, the Los Angeles 
Society of Human Resource Management group that's in LA or the chapter of the Marketing Executive Networking Group. Or you're going to want to attend the dinner meetings of APEX, the American Production and Inventory Control Society, if you're in operations. And what's important here is that you're not just attending the group. You're not just showing up. You're going to want to start getting involved. Can I be on a committee? And then once you're on a committee, can I chair a committee? And then once you've chaired a committee or two, can I be an officer of the the group? The higher you rise, more visible you will be to potential hiring managers, senior executives, human resource professionals, and recruiters. One of the first places people go with, in addition to doing a Google search, a LinkedIn search, is they start searching for officers and executives of associations, groups, community-based organizations, nonprofits, uh, alumni groups that are in a specialty area, and and other kinds of groups. And if you're not in a leadership role, you're invisible. You're never going to get found. So you want to start taking on roles where you help and you become aware, and then other members of the group, the other officers, are going to want to go out of their way above and beyond the call of duty to help you in your job search. Now, I'm going to take a question here that that came in during the course of our program uh, just a couple of minutes ago. And it's from Mark in Dallas. Mark said, I'm a self-proclaimed introvert. I'm very uncomfortable meeting people, particularly in group settings. And I would probably say, Mark, you're just going to have to get over that. You're going to have to suck it up and go out and attend some of these groups. Maybe find someone that, that's also networking at a similar level. Do you have a friend? Do you have someone you've met? A neighbor? A former business associate that you could say, hey, uh, the uh, networking group for, for uh, directors of marketing are meeting tomorrow night from 7 to 8, would you like to join me? It's a lot easier to go when you got a friend or someone that you feel comfortable with. But at a minimum, you need to get involved in those those three areas of groups. Networking, functional industry trade groups, uh, and then finally, some kind of nonprofit or civic organization where you feel like you're giving back, you're doing something valuable, but even if you get no job leads, which I'm going to find strange, even if by some chance you get no job leads, it, you will have considered it to be a tremendous experience because it makes you feel good about yourself, that you're giving something back, that you're contributing to your local community. It could be you're on the uh, a committee for fundraising for the local opera. It could be uh, you're helping at a local church to, to feed the homeless one night a week. It could be that you're on, you volunteered to be on the local zoning commission. Whatever it is, get involved civically, get involved from a nonprofit, be part of your local community. I have gotten more leads, connections, and referrals sometimes from my connections in my local community than any amount of time just trying to hunt people down. For example, I do fundraising for my local YMCA. At one point, I was the Indian chief for the YMCA Indian Guides program before they changed it. It's no longer, as many of you know, Indian Guides. It's now called Explorers, I think, or something like that. Um, I was on the 
Basketball Sport Commission for the YMCA. Um, I've been a soccer referee coordinator for my son and daughter's divisions in uh, AYSO soccer in Southern California. I mean, I could go on and on with the list of things that I've participated and done, both at a community and sports and civic level. And I've gotten great leads and referrals through it. And the failure to not, quote, get out there and join groups is the fifth major failure. Number six, failure to, quote, work the phones instead of relying too much on email and online activity. Yeah, it's wonderful to use social media, email, send emails, respond to job ads. The problem is it's passive. You're hiding, you're fading into the woodwork. You got to get, you got to work the phones. You got to pick up the phone and start talking to people in your network. What have they heard? How you doing? Just wanted to connect with you. I don't know if you have the most recent copy of my resume. I'd like to send you a new copy. Have you heard of anything along this area? Any suggestions you've got for me? I noticed that you worked in XYZ company. Um, do you know anybody that's still over there that might be able to refer me to the hiring manager? A lot of activity will begin to generate for you when you work the phones. If you're not working the phones and connecting with folks, then, then you just sit there and stare at that thing and it's passive and you wonder, why am I not getting job leads? Why am I not getting job referrals? So that's a major failure. you got to work the phones. Number seven, failure to nurture your network by staying top of mind presence. It doesn't do any good to just put people into your network, into your database. You've got to work the network by nurturing it. One of the ways to nurture it is by connecting with people on a frequent basis, meeting people for a cup of coffee. Remember I said it's not enough to, to just send emails and socially network on Facebook and LinkedIn. you got to work the phones. you also got to meet folks. People need to trust you. And if they don't have a tremendous trust, no matter how many times you send them an email, how many times you shoot them your resume, they are not going to refer you to their private network because they don't trust you enough. They don't know you well enough. You got to meet every member of your A-list in your network. Have a cup of coffee. Buy them a drink. Take them to a sporting event. Get to know them. Understand who they are. And then you got to stay top of mind by Sending articles. Now, once I know about you, now I can send you articles. If I see something interesting on the web, I can easily send you a copy of that article. I know that you're very concerned about the pressure companies are facing on cost reduction and being able to make it another year and year and a half through the recession. Just came across a fascinating example of an article in CPA Magazine. And I wanted to send this to you because I know you you told me about your interest in this area. You need to constantly be doing that type of thing. Weekly, every other week, you, you ought to be touching every one of the core A-list members in your network. If you don't nurture it, they forget about you. Every month, you're sending them an updated version of your resume where you've made a few changes to it. Every two weeks, you're sending them an update 
like a little lo- diary log of here are the things that I've done in my job search over the last couple of weeks. I interviewed at XYZ Company. I got to the second round of interviews. I'm waiting to hear back. Do you know of anybody over at XYZ Company? I've sent 300 resumes out. I've answered 200 ads. I've gotten 50 callbacks. People want to know in your network, what's going on in your job search? How are you doing? How can I specifically help you? Number eight, the failure to meet the contacts and develop a relationship. Well, I sort of overlap number seven with that, but number seven is, again, nurturing your network. And number eight, which I touched on, is you got to meet people. You got to develop a relationship. They're not going to trust you until you connect and get to know them very well. Number nine, failure to go above and beyond the call of duty in helping your network. And this is where many networkers fail completely. It doesn't do any good to put people in your database. Add them to your network. If you don't go above and beyond the call of duty and trying to understand, how can I help you? If I have a candidate, I'll give you a, a personal example. If I have a candidate that wants to connect with me, my expectation is is if you want me to keep you top of mind when I have an appropriate search, you better be working real hard to help me in my job searches. How many times has a candidate at an executive level called me and said, Barry, I just wanted to check in with you to see what searches you were working on. I might know of some people you would like to talk to in those different areas given my background and experience. Probably in the last three years, I could count two or three. How many times have you sent me an article based on something you know that's of interest to me? How many times have you referred people to me? Oh, you went out on a job interview at XYZ Company that's looking for a marketing executive because you're interested in marketing, but at the same time, you discovered they're looking for a supply chain director. And you know they're struggling to find the person and they're not using a recruiter right now. Did you refer a couple of the recruiters you're working with to the hiring manager to help them? If you're not doing this, people will go to the folks that are going above and beyond the call of duty to help them. You want to be seen as a connector in your network. You want to be seen as uh, someone who bridges gaps, someone who puts people together. If you've ever heard the old Yiddish phrase, you're a yenta. You're You're matchmaking. You're putting people together. The number of referrals and job leads that will come to you when you matchmake You'll be blown away. But if you just sit back expecting your network to produce results and nothing happens, shame on you. The reason is you didn't work it. And number 10 out of our David Letterman style list is the failure to plan, organize, track, set goals, observe metrics, and be structured in the process. Every night before you go to bed, do you have a list of the top 10 things you need to do tomorrow in your job search? Do you have metrics set for how many leads you'd like to get in the next two weeks? How many calls you're going to make? How many personal visits of recruiters you're going to go in and and conduct an informational interview with? How many hiring managers you're going to connect with? How many first interviews you're going to get to? How are you tracking that data? How many people are you going to follow up with today and try to schedule an appointment with? Next week, over the next 30 days, 
how many articles are you going to send out to the 100 to 125 people that are in your A-list network today, tomorrow, the next day that you feel they've expressed an interest in those areas and would find whatever you're sending valuable to them? Are you follow, How many people are you going to follow up on job leads with? Or ask for a job lead. If you're not tracking it, managing it, sending information out, being organized, being structured, your job search is basically random and is going to be based more on luck and hope than any specific tactic or strategy or organized plan. And when job search is based on luck and hope and keeping your fingers crossed, that's where it takes two, three, four times what it should normally take to complete an effective job search. It used to be that the general statistic for, for doing an effective job search was six months in a decent economy for an executive. That's now in the nine to 12 month range. And if you're not overcoming these obstacles and failure points in networking that I've just talked about, your job search isn't going to take you 12 months or six months or nine months. It's going to take you 18 months to two years. Can you afford to be out of work for 18 months to two years? The stuff I've mentioned today is free. It's easy. It's simple to implement. It's not brain surgery. It doesn't require you know, a, a brilliant person to do. It's just basic, fundamental, down in the trenches, nitty-gritty, disciplined, and hard work. And why do most candidates not do this? Because they don't want to work this hard at their job search. And that's why it takes two, three, four times the amount of time to find a decent job. If you want to find a job quickly and prevent your savings from going out the door and do this effectively and efficiently with a minimum cost, then you got to effectively network and overcome these failure points. So in summary, once again, to finish our radio broadcast, here are the top 10 reasons why job seekers fail at networking. Number one, failure to have the right people in your network. Number two, failure to have updated profiles on all the online sites. Number three, failure to take part in the online conversation. Number four, failure to effectively track your real network. Number five, failure to get out there and join groups. Number six, Failure to work the phones because you're relying too much on email and online activities. Number seven, failure to nurture your network by staying top of mind presence. At number eight, failure to meet contacts and develop a relationship in your network. At number nine, failure to go above and beyond the call of duty in being a resource to your network and helping your network. And number 10, last but not least, failure to plan, organize, track, set goals, observe metrics, and be structured and disciplined in your job search. Take advantage of all the free resources and unique material that Brad and I have assembled for conducting an effective job search by reading our blog, downloading our radio programs that we've done here on latalkradio.com over the last year or so, the tools, the templates, the examples, and the illustrations. And I guarantee you put all that together, 
and you can cut the time it takes to conduct an effective job search by 30, 40, and many people are doing it by 50%. This is Barry Deutsch on LA Talk Radio with our weekly radio program and broadcast. I look forward to you joining Brad and I next week at the same time, 11 o'clock Pacific Standard Time, when we focus on a key issue for hiring managers. Thanks for joining us today, and we'll see you online in the near future. You're listening to Impact Hiring Solutions with Brad Remillard and Barry Deutsch, only on LA Talk Radio. 